Well, welcome to Tea Time Spiritual Conversations for, with, and about women. I'm your host, Tawana Henderson, and I want to remind you to take a moment and like this podcast and share it with your friends and other women in your life. Well, we have a very special guest with us on today. Our guest is Vicki Gray. Vicki is the co-founder of Transformation Church alongside her husband, Dr. Derwin Gray. Transformation is located in Indian Land, South Carolina, and Vicki currently serves on staff with the church as the executive director of spiritual formation and staff health. She graduated from Brigham Young University with a BS in clinical dietetics and international relations with a minor in Spanish. Coming to faith in her late 20s, she is now a student at Wheaton College Graduate School, working towards a Master's of Arts in Ministry Leadership. Vicki has over 20 years of experience in ministry leadership, and her heart for shepherding is evident whether she is teaching in front of a large group or sitting down with a friend over coffee. And I'm so glad to have her with us on today. Vicki, welcome to Tea Time. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you know, I want to jump right in and just tell us about where you grew up and just a little bit about your faith journey. Okay. Um, Yeah. So I am originally from Montana. That's where I grew up. Mm -hmm. And my parents divorced when I was five. And my dad married a woman who's Mormon. Mm. And so pretty quickly, half my family became Mormon. The other half of my family um, were really probably nothing. I mean, would probably say they're Christians, but it, it was more of, I'm an American, so I'm a Christian because mm-hmm. I'm not Buddhist or Hindu, right. so I'm Christian. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, but the town I grew up in, um, there were no churches and there was about five bars. And so that was just my life growing up. Um, I will fast forward you basically all through my growing up years. Uh, I My gods were... Um, accomplishment, achievement, mm-hmm. um, being the best, um, definitely everything external. Um, and I accomplished a lot, but on the inside I was miserable. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up getting a scholarship to Brigham Young University, which is owned by the Mormon church. Yeah. And, um, I got a combined academic athletic scholarship. Oh. I threw the javelin in college. Oh, wow. <laughs> People always go the javelin, like, is that the spear? And I'm like, yes. I I have a Viking heritage, so if that <laughs> if that doesn't tell you anything, um, and so I went to BYU on the scholarship, and um, I really struggled my first couple years, and by that point I was really seeking, but I didn't know what I was seeking. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew I had made mistakes. I knew that I had some just, you know, terrible things in my past, terrible things that were done to me, and I didn't know what to do with them, and so I mean, I really struggled. But um, three years into um, school is when I actually met my my now husband. Um, he played football mm-hmm. at BYU. And so we would see each other in the locker room. And um, long story short, uh, we got married in college. And neither one of us were Christians at this point yet. Although, like I said, we probably would have, if someone asked us, we would have said yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but we knew we weren't going to be Mormon either. And so... Um, that's, uh, we got married in college. He actually got drafted by the Indianapolis Colts and we moved to Indiana. And while we were there, uh, I was working as a registered dietitian and there was another dietitian at work who basically her life just spoke Jesus. Like she didn't have to say a lot. And Mm -hmm. so then I started asking questions and 
I always like to say I feel like God set us up mm-hmm. because we thought, oh yeah, the NFL, if we make it there, everything's going to be amazing. And we were like, this is, this is it. Like, this is the pinnacle. Like, you know, <laughs> cause we had so much emptiness mm-hmm. that, that it couldn't fill that void. And so, um, I came to faith basically through my coworker and it, about six months later, he came to faith through one of his, I say coworkers, but it was another player on the team. Mm-hmm. And so we became Christians right about the same time. Um, and then um, not long after that, God moved us to the Charlotte area because he signed with the Carolina Panthers. And we have been here ever since. Wow. So um, I tried to summarize. It's an incredibly <laughs> intense, amazing story. Yeah. But for uh, podcast purposes, <laughs> I tried to summarize it. So. And isn't it amazing how God has those setups, you know, how he sets us up and it's like, how did this happen? But he knew, you know, and he just kind of yes. puts us in these situations and has his hand upon us and, and just really orchestrates our lives. Yes. Like to the finest detail of yeah. things that I... I think how in the world, for people that don't know what Brigham Young University is, there's about 30,000 undergraduate students. Oh my. And it's 98% Mormon. Oh wow. So the fact that my husband and I met at this school with neither one of us being Mormon is like, you look at that and you go, what are the chances of that? You know? Yeah. Um, And him coming from the inner city of San Antonio, Texas, and me coming from a small country town in Montana. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so um, God has a sense of humor too. Don't you think? Yes, he does. He absolutely (laughs) does. That's, that's, that's for a whole nother podcast. (laughs) Yes. yes. (laughs) But I know that you and your husband, Dr. Duran Gray founded uh, this phenomenal church, Transformation Church. Um, When was the church actually founded and why was it founded and why the name Transformation? Okay. Those are such great questions. So um, let's see. So not long after we became Christians, we, um, we, we grew really fast and partly it was because um, our friends and our family that came out of them that were in the Mormon faith. And then I didn't tell you this part. He had family in the Jehovah's Witness faith. Oh, wow. So early on, we had family members asking us like, well, how do you know what you believe is true? Mm -hmm. And that causes you to dig and it causes you to grow really fast. And so um, it became very obvious that God was changing the direction of what he was going to do in our lives. And so um, as we prayed and um, football was coming to an end and we were actually glad that was over, God made it very clear that um, we were going to, basically it wasn't, we called it a nonprofit, but it was a ministry. We didn't know what the word ministry was, um, but we had a nonprofit speaking you know, organization. And basically uh, Derwin would share his testimony because he has a fantastic story of God, you know, coming into his life and rescuing him. And, um, and I would organize it. And so we're like, well, what are we going to call this thing? Let's call it one heart at a time ministries. So, uh, we did that for about five years and he would speak maybe 150 times a year. And I occasionally would, although that's not my primary gift. And so, um, but what we noticed, the part I didn't share was, um, he's African-American and I'm white for those, you know, you guys can't see us. Mm -hmm. Um, you could just hear me. And so, um, growing, so growing together in a mixed marriage, um, what he we started to notice is he would go places to speak and it would be either like white churches or black churches. That was it. 
that was it. And we were like, okay, this doesn't make any sense to us because we came to faith in our late twenties mm-hmm. and we were used to, um, diverse athletic teams. Um, he always says, Hey, it was diverse in the club where we were. So why wasn't it diverse in the church where we were? <laughs> and we're thinking if any place should be diverse, it should be the church. And so, um, God started to, to put that into our hearts early. He went on to seminary and he started asking people the question, well, why aren't churches diverse? Mm -hmm. And he didn't, I mean, the answers he got were pretty sad, um, actually. And especially, I guess, for two people who didn't grow up in the church, it was like, well, that doesn't make sense to us. Like, we can't receive that answer, right? And so God took two people just crazy enough to try something that seems almost impossible. And um, we started Transformation Church in 2010. Mm-hmm. And our we actually, our vision is very explicit. It says we exist to be a multi-ethnic, multi-generational, mission-shaped community that loves God completely upward, loves ourselves correctly inward, and loves our neighbors compassionately outward. And so everything we do is filtered through that. We started with um, a diverse leadership team. We started, everything we did is like, we wanna be multi-ethnic and we wanna be multi-generational and we wanna be all about the mission of Jesus to seek and save the lost. And so to this day, 12 years later, we still filter everything through that vision. And the reason why we chose the name Transformation Church is, basically based on Romans 12, one and two, in view of God's mercy. Mm -hmm. So in view of everything that God has done for us, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so um, we are passionate about being a place where people can come to know Jesus and then be transformed by his power, his love and his grace, and then go out and be world changers. Like we call them hope dealers. Like go sling some hope. Yeah. I love that. That is so wonderful. And just how that unfolds. I mean, just how you all came to that uh, name and, and, and to walk that out. So have you found that the church has uh, been that then uh, has, has modeled that throughout mm-hmm. the years? Yes. I would say um, not without challenges, of course, as you know, as um, a pastor and, and, and a church leader as well. Um, we have been incredibly encouraged at how God has um, honored what we believe is an extension of the great commandment, love, you know, upward, inward, outward, love God, love your neighbors, you love yourself, and the great commission. Go make disciples of all nations. That word is ethnos, which means ethnic groups. Mm -hmm. And so we are now living in a time when the ethnic groups are across the street. We don't have to go across the sea, right? Okay, yes. In where town I grew up in, in Darby, Montana, yes, it is mostly white people. I'm not going to (laughs) lie, right? Um, But a good portion of Americans are actually living in very diverse areas. And so um, our heart is that we really believe that the the text, the the New Testament really talks about that this early church, this early people of God was made up of Jews and Gentiles. And so the very early church was a multi-ethnic church. And in fact, there are several scriptures where that's really why the Jews were so angry at the apostle Paul Mm -hmm. is because he was saying that, um, yeah, no, Gentiles can be saved too. And they, you know, pick up stones to throw at him. Yeah. And so um, for our hearts are that this becomes an expression. And if the church can't live out right. 
ethnic unity. How in the world do we expect anyone else to do it? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a challenge. I mean, yeah, that is it something. Is. I mean, that's 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 something that we certainly need to should be striving towards, but it is a challenge. Um, mm -hmm. I want to talk about I want to talk about your role at the church. I'm I'm just very intrigued by your role as um, executive director of spiritual formation and staff health, especially the staff health part. Um, describe your your leadership okay. role with transformation. Okay. So this one, this role is relatively new. Um, as you know, when you start a church, you you actually do all the roles. <laughs> you know, you do a little bit of everything. And so this role that I'm in now, I've been in probably about six months. And um, my my passion is, um, although I love evangelism, I also love the other side of the coin, the discipleship piece. Like I love when um, somebody that is new to their faith starts to grow in their faith. Mm -hmm. And um, what I've recognized over my years in leadership and really the people that mentored me was leadership in the church is really discipleship at a very high level. Mm -hmm. It really should be our leadership, our spiritual leadership should be an overflow of our very own relationship with Jesus, right? And so um, so we believe that we need to start with making sure that our staff are the healthiest that they can be um, spiritually, mm -hmm. e emotionally, spiritually, um, because they're the people that are going to be basically the sneezers. They're going to be the ones building into, we, we, we use the, um, the core, the committed, the congregation, the community, the concentric circles. Mm -hmm. And so we pour into the core and then the core, which is our staff and really key servant leaders, they pour into the committed and then the committed pours into the congregation and so on. And so, so with that, um, one of the things that we focus on is um, every Tuesday, we have a um, staff meeting called Transformation Time. And the focus is discipleship. Now we might have an announcement or two, but we are literally focusing on um, how is your walk with Jesus? And then how is this being lived out in your life? And we um, we generally will go through maybe a, a book of some sort and we'll challenge the leaders to take turns leading. Um, we'll do small group time. Um, one time we just took the book of Acts and read through it mm -hmm. and formed little groups of three or four people and said, hey, get with your Acts group, pray with each other, talk about what you learned in, you know, chapters three through five, et cetera. And so really that time we guard it. And I have to like, when I tell you I have to fight people off of that time, I have to fight people off of that time <laughs> because they're like, we need to do an HR so-and-so and we need to, and I'm like, nope, you set up another meeting for that. This is discipleship time, you know? Yeah. And um, you have to fight for that, yeah. right? Because so how long does that take? I mean, cause I can, um, I think it's great, but you know, we want people to come in and get to work. So <laughs> we also- <laughs> Yeah, I know that's right. Um, it's an hour and a half every Tuesday. Oh from my 9 goodness! To Eleven. Wow. Every Tuesday. That is yep. major. It is, and um, we've actually had some newer people that will think that it's. I mean, somehow there was a miscommunication, and they'll think, "Oh well, it's really more important I'm getting my work done that I'm doing this." And mm -hmm. we're like, "No, this is your top priority." A lot of times, people just aren't used to. But especially if they come out of the corporate world, they're like, wait, you care about my soul? Yes. Like you care about my relationship with Jesus? And I'm like, yes, we're the church. This should be our priority. So that's the first thing we do. Um, I also, myself, one of our executive pastors, Mills, 
and um, we meet with a senior pastor and then um, a female director. So there's two men, two women, and we form our staff um, care team. Mm-hmm. And so in that, we will, um, you know, highly confidential talk through um, staff that may need to go into some form of counseling, mm-hmm. or maybe their marriage is struggling and they're asking for help. And um, just really wanting to nurture our people mm-hmm. the best that we can. And, yeah. you know, Tawana, I know you know, you've been doing this probably way longer than me. I don't know. Um, but I do know this, like people have to want to. Yeah. And so like you can like pour your heart and soul into helping people, mm-hmm. but they have to want that help. And so that's been really a learning curve for me. Yeah. Yeah. I love that idea. I think that is so important. Um, I know our listeners are from various churches. How can churches, small and large, implement a culture of staff health? Yeah. Wow. That is that is a really good question. I think it starts with trusting the Holy Spirit that as you as you make it a priority to care about the hearts and the souls of your people, he's going to empower you to get the work done. Mm-hmm. Because everything in us is we got this, we got that, we got to hurry, we got to work, we got to work, we got to work. And and those things do need done. Yeah. Like the weekend, Sunday's coming, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the weekend is coming. Um, and so it has been um, an act of faith to say, you know what, if I have a staff person who comes in and their marriage is falling apart at home and I'm not attending to that, but yeah. I'm only expecting them to make sure the kids ministry set up on Sunday or whatever the case may be, and in some ways, I'm actually prostituting them, you know, mm. and um, we act one of our values is called people over production mm. and that we're like people are more than their gifts. Mm-hmm. And in order for people to really um, be who God's created them to be, like we want to be invested in their lives. And it doesn't mean we're all best friends. You know, it, I mean, we all have to like sort of have healthy boundaries and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they can't come to us when they're struggling, maybe in their marriage or maybe they're struggling with a, a parent or I don't know, any kind of thing, um, then sometimes I feel like, what are we really doing that they don't feel safe to do that with us? Yeah. Um, but it, it's a faith journey because you have to believe God's going to um, give the the time and the energy to accomplish the work that needs to be done because you're taking care of people's hearts. Yeah, yeah. So are there resources that you can recommend, you know, for people? I know you said sometimes you guys will read books and things. Yeah. Are there like some resources that um, churches can say, hey, you know, this is this is something that we can do. We can just start with having everybody to read this particular book or something. Yes, Um, I'm not sure if you've heard of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Mm -hmm. Um, Pete Cesaro. Yeah. We have taken our staff through that one as well as Emotionally Healthy Leader. Mm -hmm. And we've also done some breakout things um, that we've offered to the congregation. I think their um, curriculum that they provide is is wonderful because it really gets you thinking below the surface, right? Like, like. Wait, why did I just explode? Yeah. <laughs> why did I go from zero to sec- 60 right. in five seconds? Like right. maybe there's a problem there, right? <laughs> and uh, that maybe there's something that I need to address or I need I need some help walking through. And I, I mean, gosh, I think when I first became a Christian, I didn't even know, 
I didn't even know that that was a thing. I didn't even know to look below the hood. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. think that's good. Yeah, and mm-hmm. all of their stuff is really good because I was yes. Yeah. Another one is um, Search for Significance. Yes. Um, yeah. Have you read that, Robert yes. McGee? Yeah. 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 That one's yeah. really good too. Yeah. Yeah. That's some good stuff. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think anytime you can just take resources that are available, you know, regardless of the size of your church and, yes. you know, and have your staff, regardless of what the size of that staff looks like, you know, digging deep into some of these things to really make sure that people are whole you know, yes, whole yes. in every area, which is so important. Yeah. And you bring up a good point, you know, um, he who is faithful with a little will be faithful with a lot. Mm-hmm. And we didn't start with the staff, the size we have now, you yeah. know, yeah. in fact, there was literally two people that were paid my husband and one other pastor when we first started. Yeah. I don't think I actually got paid until we'd been going for two years, but we started right away going, nope, we need to take care of of each other. That's really important. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So talk about what spiritual formation looks like at transformation. Okay. So, um, in looking at the scriptures, we believe that, um, Jesus basically laid out that people who follow Christ should have certain characteristics. There should be certain things about them, right. Mm -hmm. That set them apart. And um, we call them the five characteristics of a transformer or basically a disciple or a follower of Jesus. And um, they are, uh, and I'll go through them individually, but it's worship, connect, serve, give, and invite. Mm -hmm. And um, worship is, we believe all of life is worship. So that goes along with our mission shape part of our vision. So we don't believe every single person necessarily has to be in vocational ministry, that we're all royal priests. And there are probably a lot of our passion for that comes from the fact that Jerwin and I were both led to faith through people in um, secular jobs. And so we know that there's going to be people that are sitting in our congregations that they're going to have opportunity to share the love of Christ with people that will never step foot into our churches, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, if people can start to see everything they do is worship and that everything they do is a way to honor God, then all of life changes. It's like all of life just becomes this adventure of like, okay, God, what's next? You know? Yeah. So, um, so all of life is worship, um, connect that you connect. Um, we try to keep, get people into small groups or small serve groups because the larger the church is, the smaller the church has to get, uh, you just, it's too easy to kind of come in and be anonymous and leave and Mm -hmm. real life change happens in smaller group relationships, even if it's just you and one other person. Yeah. Um, so worship connect serve, um, we don't even use the word volunteer because um, the heart doesn't volunteer to beat, you know, the heart serves the body. And so um, each person is created with these wonderful creation gifts that God gives us. Um, and then when we're born again and we have the Holy Spirit, he gives us spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. And each one of us are gifted and uniquely formed and created to be used in the body of Christ. And so um, we want to get people serving where um, where they're gifted, where they're passionate, you know, mm-hmm. where they're called. And then, of course, outside the body of Christ as well. We're very passionate about um, being active in our local community. Um, give. I mean, that's pretty self-explanatory, but, um, you know, we always say um, Jesus didn't withhold any of his blood when he gave himself. So um, who are we to withhold 
from him, yeah. especially when he's the one who originally gave it to us. So we talk about generosity a lot mm -hmm. and then invite. Like we want to be an inviting community that people feel loved and cared for and welcome when they come in to Transformation Church. And so all of those characteristics we believe we should be growing in. So as I grow in my faith with Christ, I should become more generous. Mm -hmm. I should um, I should be somebody that becomes more attractive to an outsider that says there's something different about that person, right? Yeah. And so all of those characteristics that um, become part of our spiritual formation, um, it, and it's it's a much more holistic and not just like scripture memory. It's a much more like holistic like. It's great you have a lot of knowledge and Bible knowledge, but are you living that out? Yeah. Like, and so that's a tension, as you know, being a church leader, is we do want people to love the Lord with, with their minds, um, but we also want to make sure that they're serving with their hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that is wonderful. And, you know, your journey with ministry has just been Phenomenal. I mean, just a transformation. Um, as a ministry partner with your husband, what's been your biggest challenge and your greatest joy? Mm. Wow. I would say the biggest challenge has been I'm very strong-willed. <laughs> and so um, I think early on, it was too easy for us to bump to not bump heads and for like maybe an issue we were addressing as a leadership team to become an issue between us mm -hmm. or and not really an issue between us, but uh, just to cause tension. And so we had to really learn to set healthy boundaries. And um, I think what's hard is I would hear some people say, well, we just don't talk about church at home. And I'm going... Well, that doesn't work for us because our whole life is this, right? And so yeah. I don't know how that works. I, I mean, when I say our whole life is this, it's not exactly. But um, yeah. and so I think learning how to um, have healthy boundaries around maybe we don't just completely agree on the way something needs to be done or whatever. But um, the more secure we both are in Christ, the more we can be like, okay we can agree to disagree on that one and yeah. not let it impact us. Right. Yeah. So I would say that's probably been one of our biggest challenges. Um, and probably about five years ago that really, we really went through a rough patch with that. We mm -hmm. really did. And I felt like God took us through a lot of difficulties to like help us navigate. Like you can't operate this way. Like yeah. your marriage still has to come first. Mm -hmm. Your marriage isn't the church. Like your marriage is first yeah. and the church follows after that. But don't forget that it is also an overflow out of the strength of your marriage. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't front, right? Like you can't pretend you have this great marriage and then expect your ministry to thrive because eventually it will come crumbling down. And yeah. so biggest challenge, I would say my greatest joy has been when we've gone through difficulties together um, in leadership and we have just pressed into the Lord together. And then we see him do something utterly amazing. You know, you get that incredible, like miraculous email that you're like, God did that. You know, yeah. um, I, those are the things that make you go, okay, all that other stuff was worth it. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's great. Um, well, as we prepare to close and let me just say this, you do have a speaking gift, whether you believe it or not, that is oh. your gift. <laughs> oh, you're so kind. <laughs> 
thank but, you. But there are women listening who are either on staff with a church or in a parachurch ministry, and even those who serve in ministry in some capacity. Can you just take a moment and pray for um, those women as well as all of our listeners as we conclude? I would love to. Thank you. Oh, Lord, thank you um, for this time, um, for just this holy moment for us to um, reflect on who you are and reflect on um, just the great things you've done. And, um, and we thank you, God, that you have written stories for each one of us. And God, I pray for each person who is um, tuning in to this, Lord, I pray that something that Tawana said or something I said just um, was such a reflection of your heart towards them, Lord, that they feel a tremendous amount of love and grace and the peace that only you can give, Lord, in knowing that you are sovereign and that you take every single detail of our lives and you craft it into this, this wonderful, sometimes very challenging, sometimes very hard, mm. but beautiful story. And so, God, I pray for each person who is tuning in, Lord, that you would just help them grow in your love. Really, what the Apostle Paul prayed, like, help us understand your love. It's so other. It's so contrary that we need you, Holy Spirit, to tear the blinders off our eyes and reveal the Father's love to us at a deep level, the kind of level that changes the core of who we are. Because that changes the way we view ourselves and we no longer see ourselves as these um, dirty sinners rolling around in the mud. You've created beautiful butterflies. You've mm -hmm. transformed us. You've transformed these lowly worms into beautiful butterflies when we're in Christ. And then God, when we see each our, ourselves differently, we begin to treat other people differently. We treat them like the valuable creations that they are. So God, for each one of us, there is nothing you want more than for us to grow upward, inward, and outward in the love of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so, God, that is my prayer for each and every one of us. Um, I thank you for this ministry. I thank you for the way people are encouraged as your word goes forth. And we thank you that you use each one of us um, to really play the role in your kingdom that you've set out for us. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Vicki, it has been such an honor to speak with you on today for Tea Time. Thank you Thank so you. much. And to all of our listeners, I'm Tawana Henderson, and I look forward to connecting with you the next time. Be blessed of the Lord.